Have you ever turned on a podcast in a public place and started listening, only for the three dumb hosts to suddenly start talking about Wolverine's cock? Well, it might happen if you listen here, so here's your friendly content warning that, um, we're gonna probably talk about Wolverine's cock, and we'll definitely swear a bunch. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. We're Aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying higher in our own hot air, but have stopped our journey to the house of mystery to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Who was the inspiration for the Lone Ranger? I actually didn't look this up and I'm, I have a guess. Okay. I'm, I'm about 90% sure is correct. Yes. Because I, what I have found is that over the years, as I've learned more and more about the Old West and about people doing cool things in it, the only one who seemed to be a good guy and consistently doing good things was Bass Reeves. So this is one of those things where they were clearly looking for us to talk about Bass Reeves, and we will. And I went in thinking that that was the correct answer. Turns out we're going to bust that myth a little bit. Okay. But we're still going to talk about the Lone Ranger, and we're still going to talk about Bass Reeves, because as problematic as that can be, the Old West is one of the most fascinating eras in possibly human history, definitely U.S. history, and uh, Bass Reeves was fucking cool. So, but before that, the Lone Ranger being a... starting as a radio serial, it's one of those weird things that we think of him as a comic today... I mean, I know there's, like, that terrible Johnny Depp movie and uh, mm-hmm. the the blood-drinking guy. Army Hammer. Thank you. Um, I almost feel bad that he is the blood guy to me for the rest of my life. Yeah. But, like, so I know there were movies and stuff, but, like, we tend to think of him as, like, a comic character or any kind of pulp tends to go to comics. But, like the Green Hornet, who he's technically related to, the Lone Ranger started in radio in 1933, where... He was mostly voiced by a man named Earl Gracer, who voiced him for 1,300 episodes. Damn. Until he died in 1941 and someone else took over. I don't know how long it ran for, but I mean, that's Monday through Friday for years. Not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I did find out recently that uh, Tony the Tiger had the same voice for 50 years. Damn. From like 1953 through 2005 when the guy died and the guy had the best name in the world Thurl Ravenscroft who is the um, uh, uncredited singing voice for You're a Mean One Mr. Grinch 100% tracks two that's probably a lie I think he is secretly uh, Count Strahd Strahd from the Ravencroft (laughs) D&D stories editor and so is Steven here I I just finished up mopping all the old blood in the sacrifice room. Leave my blood alone. It was for Arnie. (laughs) I was worried he was going to show up. (laughs) And besides, I needed to get rid of the old blood so we can lay out the fresh blood for Zach. Okay, fine. (laughs) But I had a question about getting out uh, the blood out of the linens or if I should just throw them away, but it doesn't matter. Uh, That's the fucking best name I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. they're all Ravenscroft. And his job was to be Tony the Tiger. How is this man not just, like, on the $1 bill? And, like, the fact that, like, I can hear his voice in my head so fucking clearly doing, er, great! It's just, like, in there. 
Yeah, that's... I really do hear it just intrinsically. Mm-hmm. I doubt I've watched a Frosted Flakes commercial since I had cable, so like 15 years, but man... Product placement has done a number on us. Anyways, it is... The Lone Ranger is kind of a kitschy character today, but it is kind of hard to under or overstate how important he was to American media for years. I mean, as I said, that radio show went for at least eight years, and I know longer for sure. And the TV show that was just as popular went from 1949 to 1957, so that's at least eight seasons... And I mean, if you hear Kimosabe, like everyone knows what that means, even if it's considered probably kind of problematic these days, but like it, it that's you know. from the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. The basic story of the Lone Ranger, uh, it's been told a couple different ways over the years, but the basics of it is a group of Texas Rangers were ambushed when they formed a posse against Bartholomew Butch Cavendish. Uh, The posse had been led by Captain Dan Reed, and everyone in the posse was killed except for his youngest, I think it's usually, it varies, I've heard it as brother or son. Okay. John Reed. John is saved by a Native American man named Tonto. In some versions, John had saved Tonto as a child. Other times, Tonto just decided to roll with it and gave him some peyote afterwards. Like, it really does... There's a wide variety of stuff. Side note, if you do want to read some good Lone Ranger, there was a great series from Dynamite Comics about 10, 15 years ago now. Mm. Anyways, using the Hidden Family Silver Mine to fund and, I guess, well, uh, not just fund, but provide him weapons because the Lone Ranger uses silver bullets because I guess Cavendish is a werewolf? I mean, he's not, but it's just... Would have been better. There's now that I be, say that out loud... Like, there's got to be other minerals and, like, metals in this mine. Nope, it's, silver mine. It's just silver. Yeah. Dude's just fucking loaded with silver. He's got to start <laughs> shooting. He's like, I have nothing else to do with this much silver. Yeah, I mean, really, like, how much silver of a silver vein are you going to need to make bullets? Although, 1,300 episodes, probably a lot. Probably a lot, but also, like, you could have just sold all of that silver and probably bought a lot of lead bullets. But then they wouldn't be silver. You still have the silver. You could make some silver. <laughs> to conceal his identity and honor his fallen brother, John makes a black domino mask using cloth from his late brother's vest, which is probably pretty gross when I think about it that way. And he goes on to... Was, was one of the eye holes a bullet hole? <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> but yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he goes on with Tonto at his side and his horse, Silver. I ho Silver away. I ho Silver away. Yeah, exactly. Goes on to fight crime in the Old West. This is weird how much of this I like know by osmosis. Never seen fucking yeah. Lone Ranger. That's what I mean of like. Or it's, like read anything. It's hard to state how important this was. This is... I maybe watched the the Army Hammer Johnny Depp movie. Maybe. I could check my letterbox, but I don't care enough to do it. <laughs> I can't recommend it, especially with those two as the leads. I know that I saw it once. I don't remember it that well. That's what I mean. Is like I feel like I saw it, but I couldn't say that I saw it because I don't remember it. For me, the most interesting thing about the Lone Ranger is the fact that he is the Green Hornet's great uncle. Mm-hmm. Britt Reed. 
which was just a weird way to tie them together because I believe the same radio station was releasing them. It, it wasn't. It was that like a little bit of a retcon later on? Or I something? don't know. We yeah. can do an episode on that someday because I fucking love the Green Hornet. Now the the question is, what are the inspirations for? the Lone Ranger, or who was the inspiration, as if there was a specific one. Now, unfortunately, the answer is probably just, like, Robin Hood? Zorro? Like, just popular, you know... Masked vigilantes? And, uh, I mean, Texas outlaws, or, like, you know, Penny Dreadfuls had been popular for years. All sorts of stuff, ranging from Billy the Kid to Wyatt Earp to whoever you want. There actually has never been a, like, I based him off this... Uh, As I said, we will talk about Bass Reeves in a moment because Bass Reeves is the one that, like, I've seen a bunch of stuff online being like, did you know about this incredible character? Because he is fucking incredible. He's secretly the inspiration for the uh, Lone Ranger. You're like, well, that's arguable. And I'm like, no, actually, I just believe it. I was like, yeah, of course. But it turns out someone in a book about Bass Reeves in 2006 was like, he could have been. There's some similarities. And memes just took that as, like, for sure, truth. Um, one of the bigger arguments is a man named John R. Hughes. I'm actually reading about that right now. Since we started this, I started actually doing research <laughs> since the beginning of this episode. <laughs> so John R. Hughes was a uh, uh, a Texas Ranger who the book The Lone Star Ranger by Zane Gray was that was written in 1915 was dedicated to Hughes which I think is one of the arguments of there of like, oh, you know, book with a similar name, ignoring the fact that Lone and Ranger and Texas are just so... (laughs) You could probably find 50 books that have some variation of the Lone Ranger even before the Lone Ranger himself was created. Hughes was a uh, young man born in Illinois. He moved to Indian Territory, which is modern-day Oklahoma, Yep, Uh, where he lived among the Choctaw, Osage, and Comanche. And at 31 years old, Hughes kills a number of men who had been stealing his and his neighbor's horses. He then spends the next several months of his lives chasing down the rest of them. Because stealing horses was a big old crime in the Old West. Weirdly, not from it was safer to steal them from the U.S. military than it was from a person. I believe that. Because you get in trouble for stealing from the U.S. military. You it's a shanging offense if you get that far, <laughs> if you steal a person's horse. Which I get when you live on a farm 10 miles from the nearest town that's like a strip of... Yeah, it, it's like a main a street. Yeah. Uh, your horse is gone. You're dead. <laughs> like, horse thief was hardcore. They didn't treat it serious enough in Red Dead, in my opinion. No. Red Dead is... Like, fucking... St- well, also, you could just, like, summon a horse. Red Dead is fun, and it does a lot to, like... Like, it gets a surprising amount of uh, Old West life right. But it's kind of like... Well, I mean, it's a Grand Theft Auto, but in the Old West. And if anyone was in Grand Theft Auto in reality, they would be the greatest monster in the history of the United States. Like... Yeah, basically. In the, like, five minutes before I get killed by the cops, I commit. They're, they're like, the superhero of criminals. <laughs> yeah, right? I sucked at shooting, so I would only ever just do the driving. Yeah, that's fair. I still killed a lot of people with the driving because oh, I God. believed sidewalks were meant for me. <laughs> Vehicular manslaughter was very common in Grand Theft if Auto. If I didn't have two stars playing Grand Theft Auto, I wasn't trying. But, anyways, what I like is he spends months hunting down and 
murdering these people for stealing his and his neighbor's horse. And Wikipedia describes it as his first time at bounty hunter-like scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is being I think a... it's just murder. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> anyways, he then goes on to... Uh, Oh, bounty hunter. Oh, go ahead. I was about to say, it looks like he was good at it because then he helped a Texas Ranger do the same thing to find an escaped murderer. At which point they were like, Leo, let's like recruit him to the Rangers. Let's just be a Texas Ranger. <laughs> this guy's going to do it regardless. Let's just fucking put a badge on him and put him in our, you know. He ranks. goes on to serve until 1915. He started in the 1880s, it looks like. So, I mean, he served as a Texas Ranger for. 30, 35 years? Yeah. Well, it says uh, 28 years. 28 years? Okay, that's on me. He lives to at the age of 92 and dying in 1947, which means he saw a lot. Being alive in that, like, second half of the 19th, first half of the 20th century just is so wild to me, like, the shift. I gotta the only thing comparable is, like, just the, the, the shift in the internet. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. He had a long career as a Texas Ranger. He actually lived in Texas, which most people who are possible Lone Rangers didn't live in Texas, and most of them weren't actual Rangers. He was a, he was a competent Texas Ranger. He was good at his job. He served 28 years. He was never seriously injured, which and, is And wild. he learned the local native languages and lived amongst all the tribes for a number of time. Which is so... He checks a lot of boxes. Yeah, no, he's really cool. Um, I don't, I think it's a stretch to say he's the inspiration because the biggest tie is that dedication from the Lone Star Ranger book, mm -hmm. but who knows? Meanwhile, Bass Reeves. It's like, even if he wasn't, he does check a lot of the boxes. Yeah. He's cool. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It, it could just happen that like the Lone Ranger just happened to exist. It, and that's really the best answer, but I want mm -hmm. to talk about Bass Reeves because I like talking about black cowboys because it's a fascinating thing. That we have whitewashed to hell. Yeah, I don't know enough about uh, Bass Reeves, so, uh, so do go on. Uh, one thing to remember about the Old West is it was a much more colorful world than we've whitewashed it into, uh, because you had obviously the native tribes who had been there for year for ever. There were the Spanish settlers who had been there for, in some cases, a few centuries by that point. And then they had the white settlers, as well as a variety of a whole bunch of wild people, including Civil War um, veterans on from both sides of the Civil War, although a lot of Confederates who went west, and a bunch of emancipated slaves that went, don't want to stay here, and bounced. So it was not nearly as white as... Uh, my grandma's TV-watching habits definitely implied it was. Bass Reeves was the first black deputy U.S. marshal. West of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi, thank you. So Bass Reeves was born into slavery. Also, side note, he kind of looks like a young Denzel with the world's biggest mustache. He's They're, they're both showing in the photo. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I would agree. Born in Arkansas in Crawford County, he... I don't know if this was a common thing. He ha His last name is the name of his slave owner. That's pretty common. That's so fucked up. That's 
create e-com. I mean, everything about slavery is fucked up. That's really low on that list of like the problems with slavery. But it's it is just like, another thing to add to the <laughs> fucked up pile that it's is slavery. It's like, oh, that's a new new facet of slavery I didn't know that also fucking hate. Not just slavery. Let's let's go with like colonization yep, and yep, all yep, that yep, sort yep. of thing in general. Because like my last name is Spanish nobility. Yeah, that's fair. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when he was eight, he moved to Texas. Wow. And his owner's son, his, the, you know, slave kidnapper's son, bastard's son, Colonel George R. Reeves joined the Confederate army and took Bass with him, which, ooh, just whole other level of hope bad things happen to that guy, but I don't actually know for sure. Anyways, at some point, and no one actually knows how or when this happened, but during the Civil War, Bass gains his freedom. It's generally thought that he escaped. Um, I don't see the guy who brought his slave with him to join the Confederacy was going to be big on the like, no, you you go. You have fun. Yeah, I hope I hope uh, his former owner uh, uh, dies of died. sepsis. Yeah, like. died and uh, he let him and then just dipped. That's my head cannon. Anyways, he moves to or he returns to Arkansas and starts farming. When a federal judge appoints James F. Fagan as a U.S. marshal, he tells him to hire 200 deputy marshals. Fagan had heard about Reeves, who knew the territory and could speak multiple native languages, and hires him on as a deputy. Uh, at the age of 37, he becomes the first black deputy to serve west of the Mississippi River. He's assigned as a deputy U.S. marshal for the Western District of Arkansas and with responsibility for the native reservation territory. That's a huge amount of territory to give one guy. I mean, I'm sure he's not the only guy, but like understaffed. He serves there until 1893, and then he transfers to Paris, Texas. Uh, and then he transfers again into the Muskogee Federal Court in the Native Territory. He will work for 32 years as a peace officer and becomes one of the most valued deputies. He brings in many of the most dangerous fugitives of his time, and he's never wounded despite having both his belt and hat shot off of him in gunfights. Which means it came so close that it took the belt off. Hat is less impressive than the belt, (laughs) in all honesty. I mean, bullets were pretty soft back then. That could be a... I'm also wondering, though, how much of that was, like, maybe his holster got shot off. Yeah, that's fair. That's still still, really close to some scary areas. I I 100% agree, but (laughs) it's also not the same as, like, your belt belt getting shot off. Maybe he had a big fucking belt buckle. (laughs) Bass Reeves basically functions as, like, Batman during this Mm -hmm. time. I mean, he's good at disguise he's an expert detective he uh arrests over 3000 felons over the course of his career which is an absolutely balls to the wall number he kills 14 outlaws to defend his life and at one point and this is one of those stories that's used to like explain how hardcore and dedicated to the law he was but also it's kind of fucked up he brought his son in for murder his son murdered his wife not Bass Reeves' wife, but his the son's wife. And they were like, we should give this to, you know, someone needs to go trap him down. And Bass Reeves was like, it has to be me. It has to be, I have to bring in my son. I'm the one that raised him. But he brought him in though, right? And he, he did. He didn't kill him. He did. Well, okay. So some accounts do put it as the son just brought himself in. He, it, but most accounts are like, yeah, his father brought him in. 
Okay. Uh, and then his son served 11 years, was released after a sentence was commuted, and lived the rest of his life as a model citizen. Now, that's a great story when it turns itself to, like, his dedication to justice and the law. But one... ACAB? Well, yes. But, okay, so one, ACAB. Two, I would never trust someone to have to bring in their own. Like, there's too much temptation to, you know, let them get away if you have to bring them in. Or, like, it, it, it's just... Conflict of interest is too high. And three, that's got to be fucking traumatic as shit to be like, Billy, I don't know if his name was Billy. I didn't look this up. <laughs> Billy, I liked my daughter-in-law. Close. Benny. Benny. Oh, so close. Benny, you you killed my daughter. I liked her more than you. <laughs> like, that's... Oh. Um, Benny, I, Benny, I, I raised you not to do this. I told you, murder was bad. When Oklahoma became a state in 1907, at the age of 68, Reeves becomes an officer of the Muscogee Police Department, where he'll serve for two more years until he gets uh, ill and retires. Now, in fairness, as much as we're talking about how amazing this guy was, he was also char char charged. Charged he, with murder in his later yes, life? He was charged with murdering a posse cook. Because, um, and he got away with this. According to him, he was cleaning his gun and wasn't paying attention, and it went off and it shot the cook and he died. Involuntary manslaughter at very least then. Probably wasn't a thing at this point. He was represented by former United States Attorney W.H. Clayton, H.H. Clayton, who was a colleague and friend, and he was believed and acquitted. Now, part of this is, and it's kind of hard to uh, understand in the year 2023, but how blasé they were about death back then? Oh, yeah. Like, people died all the time. Yeah, part of it is uh, before we really had antibiotics, any kind of gunshot could easily lead to death, and it would be the bad, slow death as you got infected but couldn't cure the wound. And also, just the, the setting of the world... You had ten kids, two lived. It, it, for real. But, like, just the setting of the world, this was the kind of part of the world where someone could go... Well, he called me a liar, so we got into a bar fight, and that bar fight escalated, and I shot him. And the sheriff would be like, that sounds legitimate. Also, this happened 30 miles over there. Good job that you won that, because that would have sucked for you. Let's get a drink. Yeah. Like, that was... Well, so... That's done now. Accidentally killed a cook, and they're like, it's going to ruin breakfast. And then you're done. As now John has to cook, and John sucks at cooking. So, as a cook, I'm just like, why are you, why are you cleaning your gun there? Yeah, right. Why are you near me cleaning your gun? <laughs> why is your gun out? Uh, so yeah, the real answer: Who was the inspiration for the Lone Ranger? Probably the westerns were murdered. cool. It was re yes, probably the Zorro that got murdered. <laughs> yeah, Zorro was already around, super popular. Robin Hood and Zorro both had that well-off person. In some cases, returns from the dead or returns from wherever, you know, to, to aid the poor, noble outlaw kind of thing. And it was incredibly common in pulp, in the pulp stuff in the 30s, to have the character be masked. So there probably isn't a Bass Reeves or a John Hughes or a yeah, whoever. It, it's probably nobody inspired it. He did kind of exist, though. Yeah, these characters were real. Is mm -hmm. the wild thing. Also, if you want to watch anything about Bass Reeves, there's a TV show out on, I think, Amazon. It might be Paramount. That's just Lawman Bass Reeves. That means Paramount. It looks pretty good, at least, you know, for a Western. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but I thought it looked pretty good from the trailers. And honestly, 
Black cowboys are fascinating. You can always just go rewatch Django Unchained. <laughs> or the best choice, go watch The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and hang out with Lord Bowler. That too. <laughs> I gotta check in on that Black Dynamite Western they were making. Oh, that's right. Oh, I would have been into that. Oh my god. Oh, what was the name of that? Is it the same creative team? It is. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Michael J. White is directing. I love Michael J. White. Um, damn, I can't remember the name, but it's something like it's like a name. I love how in like ninety percent really? of the, I love how like in ninety percent of the things he works on, he has it's to like pretend a person's to be his name is what I mean, asshole. <laughs> I don't remember the name, but it was a name. That's what you said. I I'm understand. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying. No, I just love that, like, in 90% of the things that Michael Jai White's in, he has to pretend to be a, like, far worse fighter than he is. Yeah. Because he holds, like, multiple, like, black he's belts. Michael Jai White, yeah. and he has to be spawned. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, in order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to drop some ballast. Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with assorted genre facts. I'll prod him a bit and see what shakes loose. Remember, any misses or mistakes will have to be made up for at the end of our trip. Today, we'll keep with this expedition's theme of DC and Marvel horror characters. So, Zach, what knowledge can you drop on Devil Hunter? Devil Hunter was a member of the Defenders. I want to say he used to be a Marine? I don't know his name. He's got this sweet-ass costume. he uh, It's like a mostly blue bodysuit with, I want to say, some orange highlights and a big, cool, magical cape. He can also summon a sword. He uh, was actually a... There, there was a brief comic company called Atlas Comics that was attempting to do, like... We're going to be the next DC, the next Marvel. You know, this is back in the day where there was a lot more superhero companies. Am I wildly off? You look really confused. I am I mean, considering how often some of these guys go through different uh, iterations, I'm making sure that I'm not missing something, but I think you're way off. Show me the character you're looking at real fast. I'm thinking of Devil Slayer. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of Devil Hunter. Oh, God damn it! It's the reverse... Um... I'll do a redemption round, but he is a angry priest that gets screwed over because he teams up with, um, against his will, teams up with uh, um, Son of Satan. Yes. And I have yes. some ballast to uh, to get rid of as well. Uh, the movie we were talking about is called Outlaw Johnny Black. There we go. Yeah. Oh, we watched the trailer for We watched for this the trailer for it. Yeah. It is out, apparently. It came out last year. All right. Well, we'll do an episode in GN with it. Damn it. I, was, I thought that you had a really good one with Devil Slayer. It's still a really good one, but... Well, now... Yeah, I mean, okay, Devil Slayer, you were right on. Like, I'm looking <laughs> at him right now. Like, I keep going with Devil Slayer for a minute. I just want to see okay. what you what you uh, hit now. Devil Slayer was... Originally, there was a, a company called Atlas. They were putting out a lot of really interesting books, but they only put out one or two issues of each because they couldn't find the funding. In that time, there was a character named Demon Slayer, and when some of the creatives went over to Marvel after Atlas... Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter, thank you. Mm -hmm. They uh, just basically Mortal Kombat color changed the ninja character and um, nice. brought him over as Devil Slayer. I want to say he's a Marine and he can summon a magic sword. Ooh. Um, he suffered when he was in the Defenders because he was kind of Doctor Strange is literally on this team. Why are you here? It looks like he took. Hmm. Oh, no. I, I don't see anything about him being a Marine. It looks like he might have been a 
cult member. Oh, uh, okay. That oh, later yep. turned on the cult. That, that's what mm-hmm. I knew. He had some kind of thing that caused him trauma and uh, lost him his wife. That's right. It was a cult member. I've read a couple stories with him in Secret Invasion, where the scrolls are popping up. They use his abilities to. I want to say his cape can teleport to go to different like places where the scrolls are invading until they eventually just wear out his cape. He is probably most famous. This is going way back. This is back in the, like the seventies appearing in a saga from the defenders called the six fingered hand saga, which is really just Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan's dad fucking with the defenders to make Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan join him again. Afterwards, he's wandering around. There's, It's actually a really good issue, but it's like one of those, they used to do this a lot, follow-up issues in comic books of like, we just told this huge story. Let's have a little bit of downtime for everyone to see like what everyone else is doing. And while the other defenders are literally hanging out on the steps in front of Doctor Strange's house being like, we're learning to chill out. He ends up hooking up with a uh, old hippie, not hooking up, but like hanging out with an old hippie. Maybe hook it up. And we don't know. Then we don't judge. He does end up at the old hippie's apartment and then finds out that the old hippie has taken a lot of drugs and he gets really angry and then decides that it's society's fault instead and leaves to go hang out on Doctor Strange's porch. And it sounds bad when I describe it this way, but it's actually a really like solid examination of the kind of ennui of the 70s that was going on. Last time he appeared... He had joined a team called the Revengers, which is Wonder Man had gone insane and recruited a bunch of shit-ass superheroes who were angry at the Avengers generally for not letting them join despite the fact that they were shit-ass superheroes. Uh, People like Captain Ultra and Eddie Brock. Anyone who loves Eddie Brock on your team, like, that's on you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Quick question. Yes. Do you think a six-fingered hand would be... Six fingers and a thumb, or five fingers and a thumb, making six. I want a thumb on each side. Yeah, but those aren't fingers; those are thumbs. Oh, shut the fuck up! That's that's my question. But we have five fingers. Okay, so yeah, (laughs) like if anyone taught you, I have four. You have four fingers and a thumb. That person should be in jail. Uh, there was always a kid in a class making a smidge. No, guess. actually, it's a th- don't be that kid, Stephen. <laughs> it's a special appendage. There's one thumb on the other side. Dude, I wanted that so bad as a kid. Why? Because think of the shit you could do. Like, just you guys are wrong. We're, we're all just like moving our hands thumb. right now. <laughs> <laughs> because the thumb is the only actually useful appendage, and I, I want an extra finger coming out of the wrist. That I can hold stuff with. But, as I said, I'll do a a redemption round on the guy I got wrong. But, uh, if you want to Yours is more interesting. The guy that you thought he was is more interesting. If you want to know the guy that I thought, or the the guy who it actually is, he kind of looks like if Nick Fury starred in The Exorcist. Yeah. But, like, Uh, old Nick Fury, not Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, uh... David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, starred in The Exorcist and then was later brutally murdered because the creative team behind Damien Hillstrom, Son of Satan's book, decided, or the creative team changed and they decided they didn't want to follow this, like, long simmering plot line. So they just murdered him really fast. Also, just because I, I like to say this team name, um, he did help out the Skrull Kill crew 
at one point. Really? Yeah. I haven't. I have Scroll Kill Crew. I haven't read it in a long time, though. One of the only good things Mark Miller ever wrote. I said what I said. <laughs> um, where are we at? Well, that's, that's it for today, <laughs> folks. We're taking off. But before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earverm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. As always, we want to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady, and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away. Up, up, and away.